Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. What are you trying to prove here anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement. Mackey and Judd. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is. It's pissing me off. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd in the TCL broadcast studios. We got to talk about what the Big Ten is up to. Some ridiculous tricks here. The Big Ten Network. Yeah, there's two Specifically here. Absolutely stupid. Okay. In just a second. But you got uh, then, a story for me. Yeah, Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers. So you brought up uh, Joe Maurer made your list, your pecking order list, bilateral leg weakness, devastating Minnesota sports injuries. Well, the concussions. The concussions, that, right. But, uh, but, like, but that was a stupid, that that is is among the dumbest explanations for a guy being hurt I've ever heard. Yeah. So if I remember the story correctly, the way that bilateral leg weakness became a thing, the way it became a term that was mocked and ridiculed even to this day. Now, seven years later, that was seven years ago. Rightfully so, 2011. Yeah. It's amazing how time flies. So Bill Smith was the general manager of the Twins at the time, and they were on a road trip. It was the beginning of, of a long road trip against American League East teams. They were in Tampa, mm-hmm. and they got off to a really bad start. They were uh, they were a few games under 500 right off the bat in a season in which people thought they were going to just build off 95 wins in a division championship. Joe Maurer, I believe, had an off-season knee scope of some kind. And so he had a bit of a late start in 2011 going into even like spring training. So the the knee was kind of a thing, and 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 people weren't quite sure on his status. But he got back, and he started the regular season. But they're in, so he, they, they played a home series against Kansas City. And then Joe Maurer was basically not—he was MIA in Tampa. He was just not playing. They yep. played a four-game series in Tampa. Yep. And everyone, you know, where's Joe Maurer? What's is it? Is it knee? Like what? Everyone's it's the season just started. What happened? And the Twins are being kind of vague, and right. you know, it was a complications from the knee. They had a, so they had a great. They were going to put him on the disabled list, and he had off-season knee surgery, and they had a great chance, whatever it really was, to tell people the knee's just not reacting the way that we had hoped. So we're going to put him on the disabled list with some knee soreness. Mm-hmm. So the Twins are about to make this roster move in Tampa, and the beat writers, everyone's waiting to fly out, and like Ron Gardenhire is supposed to tell people what the injury is and why he didn't play in Tampa Bay for four days. And uh, one of the PR people goes up to Bill Smith and says, what should we, we're going to make a move, with, you know, if, if you want Joe Maurer to go on the disabled list, like we have to tell people why he's gone on the disabled list, so what should we tell him? And as it was told to me, Bill Smith wrote on a Post-it note like he had heard that I think it was the trainers or the doctors had said that he just has some weakness in his legs, and they and the, and I don't know if the doctors or the trainers called it bilateral weak, leg weakness or if it was like or Bill kind of put two and two together and said, well, I, 
I'd never I mean, heard got of weakness it. in both I'd legs. Never heard of this term until that day. It just isn't strong enough to progress. So they literally wrote down on a note, a sheet of paper, or on a post-it note, bilateral leg weakness, and that's what was handed to Ron Gardenhire to tell to the media. So that's how they thought this up. It though? was like kind of last minute. Uh, what is it? Well, he's just, his legs are kind of weak, and he. But there wasn't a great explanation for it, and so instead of just saying, you know what, screw it, it's the knee, it's it, it's knee problems. They literally wrote down, as it was told to me on a post-it note, bilateral leg weakness, and that's how the legend of bilateral leg weakness began. A term that I had never heard before or or other than when talking about the Maurer issue have heard since. Why do teams do that? It's so weird. Like, why do teams when— There's more to that story, too, I think, that— But, like, I don't know why if do they make was... their lives so difficult? Like, that made, their, that made Maurer and the Twins' life way more difficult than if you said, like you just said, hey, he's got some knee problems still. You know, right. he's got some knee problems. You could even, you could just lie if you needed to in that spot rather than create this vague explanation. And so then he would, he missed like two months and he went on a rehab assignment and all the conversations the rest of the year were about, how does it feel like oh, I'm building back strength? And no one knew what that meant. Like, what do you mean building up strength? Well, Are you it, doing leg lifts? Like, what does that mean? So they lead, were clearly hiding something and who knows what did, it was. Didn't it lead to, to tons of speculation that there was something really wrong? Yeah, because then like he had well, be, well beyond on yes. the field problems. Because then he had pneumonia at the end of the year that ended his season like three weeks early. Yeah. It was just a really weird season. And then he had to sit down with reporters in December of that year in the clubhouse. And, and like, I had probably received. Ten different tips. I covered that team from people who thought it was Lyme's disease or through all, all these crazy things that they thought it was. I remember and, the speculation going around that, that he, he had something that might be yeah. career-threatening. But he never came out. Like he, All he would do is say, I'm just trying to get stronger and you know, just trying to well, build strength back. But it was never, I'm trying to, if you tear an ACL, it's I'm trying to recover my torn ACL. Mm-hmm. So Maurer, never, Maurer didn't do a great job protecting his reputation in those days and that's kind of what's going to stick. And, and that's one case where I, I think the player and his uh, representatives have to step in. Yes. Like, wouldn't you step in and say, what the hell are you doing, Bill Smith? Like, yeah, you've let, come, let's get out in front of this a little bit You've come up more. with a term that, as far as we know, does not exist. Yeah. Our client looks like an idiot. So bilateral leg weakness on a Post-it note is how that got started seven years ago. Um, let's let's do this here for a few minutes on the Big Ten Network because you and I were both complaining about this before the show and feel like there's probably a lot of listeners who feel the same way. Yeah. The, so first of all, the Big Ten basketball tournament is being played at Madison Square Garden starting this week mm-hmm. and culminating this weekend when all of the other smaller conferences are like they're going to go two weeks before the NCAA tournament. Yes. And take two weeks off just to play at Madison Square Garden, which is absurd, because, Big Ten. Because the uh, Big East has dibs on the Garden for next week, which it has for years yeah, and so years. So play it in Chicago. You, Who you cares? Are, you are going to play, if you're the Big Ten, you're going to play your conference tournament this week alongside the Atlantic Sun, yeah. the Big South, the Ohio Valley. But that's not my biggest complaint. Here's my biggest complaint. Now, I understand that I'm biased. Big Ten hockey is awful. It, it, it was an awful idea. The conference actually is not awful right now, but it was a terrible idea, poorly executed at every turn, and run by complete idiots. Here is where the the level of the morons actually grows somehow. Some they, they've they've won up themselves. So for the first, I believe it's been four or five years, four years, I think, you have played, you've attempted to play your conference tournament at a neutral site, which which for the WCHA previously, which for conferences made sense. So the Big Ten was playing its tournament either at the XL Energy Center and or in Detroit, and it didn't draw. Okay, I get that. You've screwed up. Fix it. Well, they think that they have 
by going to best two out of three at conference sites. That makes some sense. I mean, you've you screwed something up that worked, but you're trying to fix it, and I get that. Until I see this last night, the Star Tribune reports accurately, by the way, that the only way to watch, for instance, the Gophers' uh, three-game potential series at Penn State, or the only way to watch Big Ten hockey this week is to purchase Big Ten Plus's streaming service for either $70-plus a year or about $10 for the month. In other words, I get cable, I get Big Ten Network. Big Ten Network plans— Which you pay for within your cable package, Correct. by the way. Yes. But, but Big Ten Network plans on showing, as far as I can tell— no hockey this weekend whatsoever. And they're going to have some production team to televise it for the web stream, obviously. Absolutely, right? yes. So here's why they're morons, all right? They're making you pay for non-premium content, which is completely incompetent. And I've, I had this same rant about non-conference basketball games yes, you did. on their same platform. And, yep. out of, and so do I, do, would I like to watch go for, the Gopher basketball team play against some obscure directional school from uh, the South? Yeah. Do I want to pay the ten dollars or fifteen dollars in a month? That it, is it about the money? No, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna make me homeless to pay fifteen dollars. It's the principle. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna put out content, this is the this is the example I gave you before the show. So they're already giving you second tier games on Big Ten Network in general because the top football and basketball games are on ESPN or Fox because they all the Big Ten has a multi platform deal. So when they show basketball games on Big Ten Network or football games on Big Ten Network, it's almost always Ohio State and Rutgers Mm -hmm. or Indiana and Illinois. It's never Wisconsin, Minnesota or in football. Yeah, it's not your work. Or like Michigan. If Michigan State plays Michigan on a Saturday, it ain't on Big Ten Network because ESPN, CBS, and Fox run the big time games. So already they're giving you on your Big Ten Network subscription that you pay for as part of your cable second tier games, and that's fine. Whatever, like we'll still watch the second tier games. Where they lose me is when they put their third tier crap behind a paywall mm-hmm. on the internet. And I and no offense, I know you're a bigger hockey guy than I am. I think the first round of a college hockey tournament is third tier crap. Like I'm not gonna. It's just it's not good content for most people. So you're putting that behind a paywall. You're putting Minnesota against a directional school in the non-conference behind a paywall. That would be like Showtime Entertainment giving mm-hmm. you some like second-tier boxing match that's not on pay-per-view, but we're going to give you the second-tier boxing match as part of your Showtime subscription. Yep. But if you want to watch the pregame show, that's extra on Showtime.com. What? Yep. It doesn't make any sense. Now, for for the hockey, though, and, and you can feel about the sport in any way you want. But for the hockey, here's what they're telling you. If it you. was WCHI, I wouldn't call it third-tier crap, But by the here's way. what they're telling you. Big Ten you. makes it third-tier But here tier crap. is what they are telling you, and it's very clear. The message is this. This content is pretty much meaningless. So, bas- so let me get this straight. You took a college hockey model that worked just fine. You broke it up when you got Penn State, which was only, by the way, a sixth school. If you had had a plan to go eight deep, I would have gotten it. But you broke up a model that worked perfectly. It was fine. It had a cult following, but damn it, it was a good one. That you could have televised on Big Ten Network, by the way. Yeah. So now what you've done, though, now what you've done is you screwed it up. You went to, you basically assumed we're going to be as good as the WCHA was, which was massively flawed. There were about... 200 people the last time that I saw a game at the X in that conference tournament that didn't involve the Gophers. So now you've screwed that up. So now you're trying to fix it 
but you're going to campus sites to play a tournament. And that and by the way, you also started a hockey conference largely to have programming for guess what? Your network, but you're not going to show any of those games and you're going to force people to pay to watch them on their computer. You are essentially saying, you know what? We don't care that much. I mean, they have Jim Delaney. You have the ability to have screwed up more things. You've screwed up Big Ten basketball this year, starting the conference season in December because you're having the conference tournament now. He's admitted was incredibly stupid. He is now trying to tell people that they are playing in New York so that our Big Ten athletes can experience the Big Apple. How stupid do you <laughs> think these people are? How about take a vacation in the offseason? You are, you know, I mean, just come out and say it. This is all about greed. I mean, the host school is Rutgers. As you told me off the air today, your host school is going to be out by, what, Thursday? By noon tomorrow. Yes. I mean, I think they play the Gophers first, so they might win that godforsaken game. Not the point. The point is, you have gotten so greedy, and you have done so many ill-advised, stupid things, and you are telling, basically what you're saying at every turn is, programming for our network matters, and now with hockey, you're not even saying that. The thing is, you you, you don't have premium content. But you're charging people, and I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's maybe there's fifty thousand people paying seventy bucks a year, and let's do the math on that. Let's say there's fifty thousand people. What is it? Seventy bucks a year for that for that Big Ten pass? Uh, I've got it right here. Times. The, let's the say, let's strip, say there's the fifty thousand people, today. and they're making three and a half million dollars on that. Seventy nine ninety five, eighty dollars. All right. So if somebody can show me that there's fifty thousand people paying full year subscriptions, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but. You don't have premium content to begin with because your premium content is on ESPN and it's on Fox. Yeah. So when I when I watch Ohio State and Urban Meyer against Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football, yeah. that's not even on your network. Oh, you're right. So it's if on you're, Fox. you're you're searching for things to put on your network that people are going to watch. Yes. And and yet you're going to take some of those things away. There might be people in the Twin Cities that want to watch the Gopher hockey team play Penn State, and you're going to make us pay like fifteen bucks to watch that game. It's so stupid. I agree with you. <sighs> All right. Feel better now. No, I don't either. Because Jim Delaney's the devil himself. Let's talk some twins. <laughs> Let's Satan. talk some twins. When we come back here, we'll go to Fort Myers and catch up with Derek Huetmore. Chris Lindahl is the number one Remax results team in America, and there's a reason for that. The Chris Lindahl team is the top marketing team in the industry. I mean, Chris does speeches and goes to conventions and is asked to share his knowledge about marketing, which also trickles down to helping you make more money on the sale of your home uh, to large audiences on a weekly basis. So the best part, and I've had experience about a year ago selling my condo with help from the Chris Lindahl team. The best part about it is they create a competitive environment for your home. So if, if, if you're even just considering selling your home, here is a great opportunity for you, the Mackie and Judd listener, the 1500 ESPN listener, to get a free listing side commission between now and March 16th. All you have to do to register is go to chrislindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, or call 763-401-SOLD, 763-401-SOLD by March 16th. Mackie and Judd, back with more. Login in. Username Mackie and Judd. Access granted. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studios. And Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers, Florida, where he's been covering spring training, Hammond Stadium. Uh, Twins are a few games in now to their to their slate. They started games the week before March. Usually they wait until March, but 
here we are a few games in. So, Derek, when can we expect Logan Morrison to play his first Twin Spring training game? Uh, what's what's the timeline there from what you're hearing? That's a good question. We actually don't have a date circled on the calendar yet. From what I'm told, he's getting into town today and will probably do the physical, which would then, I think, mean, you know, they make the official announcement tomorrow, meaning he'll be in workouts, he'll be available to the press, get your glamour shot in and all of that stuff. And uh, I don't think it'd be too long until, you know, after that that he'd be in games. Keep in mind, he's probably going to be a DH for this team. So hope you've been swinging in the cage, bud. Now get out there and face some live pitching. I don't think they're going to slow play that one too long. How did Phil Hughes look in uh, start number one against the Cardinals on uh, Monday, Derek? Actually kind of good. I told you guys two weeks ago that I was in the – very skeptical of Phil Hughes' camp, and I continue to be. I mean, I, I don't think he proved that he's a 30-start pitcher yesterday. But two springs ago, or was it last spring, he had the thoracic outlet surgery syndrome, and whatever it was that they took out the part of the rib that just wasn't enough, I guess, because he said last spring that he felt good, no limitations, let's go. But now the word that I'm hearing from a couple of people is, Yeah, last spring it was a little bit of tough talk. It was a little bit of, I hope that I feel good. I hope this works out, um, but never really felt confident about. So anyways, the long story short, Judd, is that last year I saw 87, 88 on the gun with his fastball. Mm -hmm. Yesterday he was 89, 90, 91, and I think that's an encouraging sign. Hughes said he was happy with the velocity, but that uh, he still hopes there's a little bit more in there. And I think if he's 91-92 and he can throw it where he wants to, pain-free, then he actually has a shot to make this club and get big league hitters out. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, now, now that Kenny Vargas is coming to the realization probably that there's not a lot of room for him on this Twins roster, uh, what do you think the fallout is there? I mean, is it is it is he going to be in camp the rest of March? Are they going to take it down to the wire? What's your sense from all sides there, Derek? Yeah, they have a couple of options with Vargas. And I talked to Kenny yesterday, um, and he told me that he's getting in touch with his agent to see if the Twins will move him and give him a spot. He said, I have no room on this team to play, so he's just going to kind of let it play out. But that's his perspective. If you're the Twins, I don't think there's a sense of urgency at all. I agree with Mr. Vargas' assessment of his situation that there's not really room for him on this team. I think signing Logan Morrison pretty much signed that one off. But if you're the Twins, don't you just hang on to him throughout spring, see if he has a good camp, and maybe you trade him or something like that, see what somebody will give you. Or if somebody gets hurt, he's still insurance. He's still a – I mean, he's a major league caliber player. He's just not as good as Logan Morrison. So if somebody gets hurt, he could slide in there, and boy, then wouldn't you feel foolish if you just cut him and let him walk for nothing. Uh, they'll have a few options, but my guess is, Phil, they're going to wait through camp, and then you either DFA him or find a trade candidate, or you put him on waivers, and he clears, and you send yeah. him to the minor leagues and start this dance all over again. So he's uh, he's very aware of what this means for his situation. I don't blame him for wanting to get out and finding a better situation, but if I'm the Twins, I'm not exactly sure I'd grant that request right now. Hey, Derek, do you think that there's more there with, with him or or have, have what, what we've seen in the past, uh, what, two or, th- or three years, is that, that it for uh, for him? Because, you know, you're going to get your comparisons and pe- people saying, man, I mean, there could be blah, blah, blah. And I know that, that he can uh, certainly hit some impressive home runs at times, 
But do you think that there's more there, or do you think that these guys have seen enough to draw a pretty good conclusion about who he is as a player? Yeah, I can see both sides there. I had a scout tell me this spring, Judd, that if Vargas got 500 plate appearances, this would be the year he puts it all together. He says he's just really in a good place. Um, and the power you alluded to, we've seen it. We've seen it in the big leagues. He's got some minor league home runs, maybe not as many as you'd think, but he does have some minor league home runs. And in BP, he is incredible. Um, if he wasn't on a team with Miguel Sano, I said this the other day, if uh, if he didn't share a team with Miguel Sano, Vargas would be the guy you'd pay to go watch batting practice. But Sano's on the team, so that sort of belittles his power by comparison. Anyway, this scout thought that Vargas is a legitimate big league first baseman with, you know, plus power that will play up in games. Uh, the stats paint a little more damning picture for Vargas and just through parts of four big league seasons, he's been basically an average hitter. He's got some power, doesn't play up in games that much. He's prone to sort of prolonged slumps from either side of the plate, and that that really has hurt him. And I think the biggest thing that's hurting him, he doesn't really have a position. He's, he's more or less a DH at this point. He can play some first base, but there just aren't a lot of teams that are putting a high value on guys who can hit for some power, aren't a great overall hitter and don't have positional uh, added value. Like if there was a team that was looking for that right now and you could trade, you'd do it. But if there was a team that was looking for that, they would have signed Logan Morrison. He's just a better version of that player. So it's it's kind of a tough spot. I, I do see more in the tank for Vargas, but he also has had an extended run to show the twins that he needs to stick around and, Frankly, after parts of four seasons in the big leagues, he just hasn't commanded that yet. Yeah, like I would say this because I, I do sense there's a lot of people because he kind of looks like David Ortiz physically when he stands at the plate, and there's still just a lot of post-traumatic Ortiz syndrome when you you let him go for nothing. You don't have to worry about that. Kenny Vargas, yeah, he, Kenny Vargas, he ain't going to be David Ortiz. In fact, for every for every David Ortiz, there's there's 500 David McCarty's. Like that's the path that he's more likely to go down than turn into David Ortiz. Yeah, when I say there's something more there, I don't mean there's a Hall of Famer locked inside and he just needs 500 at bats. I mean he's a guy who could potentially hold down first base for a team and maybe hit 30 home runs in a full season. And and not to say that that's not valuable because there aren't a ton of guys that can do that, but you're just seeing the last two years, not just this winter, but last winter too, that type of player just isn't valued that much by major league front offices. I mean, Logan Morrison has to go into spring training after he hit 38 homers. He has to go into spring training without a job and then settle for a one-year deal with a vesting option from the Twins. So I think if that kind of player was valued, you'd be seeing bigger contracts for those type of players, but that's just not the reality of the last couple of years. I, I think that uh, there are a lot of Kenny Vargases out there, and to worry about losing that potential, I, I think that'd be a little fatalistic. Are, are we still on course for Sano to play on Wednesday for the first time? Yep, I heard tomorrow, and uh, it's a split squad, so uh, one half of the team is heading across the state, the other's staying at home to play the Rays, and if you made me guess, I'd say Sano's going to play in that home game so he doesn't have to deal with the travel. He'll be Probably worked in as a DH would be my guess, but there's already been some talk about what it would look like to get him on the field. Um, how is he holding up physically? And I think that'll be a 
I don't know. That's going to be an unfolding story throughout spring. Obviously, with the investigation, that's something we're going to always be talking about. But right. just from a physical and from a health standpoint for Snow, I think that's going to be something they're going to have to monitor all spring with how is he holding up, how is he working back-to-back days and things like that. It, I really don't think that the Twins have gotten to the finish line on this uh, Miguel Sano conversation yet. Derek, do you sense that he's going to get some work at first during the course of the spring? Oh, yeah. I would expect that they're going to work that in as a possible option, mm-hmm. um, even with Morrison. I think that if you can just increase your flexibility for a guy like Sano, um, that's, I mean, you do it. There's not an easy path to 250 DH at-bats anymore because Logan Morrison's going to get most of those. So if you have Maurer able to play first and he can DH, Morrison first and DH, he's played some outfield, but you don't want to see that. And uh, Miguel Sano third, first in DH, that that does boost your options. I haven't heard them talking about it specifically, Judd, but I guess I'd just be surprised if they're not going to consider that a possibility. Who do you think uh, spring training doesn't matter for performance uh, a lot, I think, but are there players that it matters for, in your opinion, on this 40-man roster or non-roster guys? Like, to what degree does performance matter? I mean, Eric Ibar is trying to make the team. Are there three or four players that when you're watching these games, you're thinking, if Brian Dozier strikes out four times, it doesn't matter. But are there three or four players that you look and say, you know what, this does matter? Yeah, pitching. I I don't think there are – there's not a lot of position player drama on this team right now. Eric Ibar makes this team if Miguel Sano is not ready to answer the bell – uh, opening day because, you know, whether it's for a suspension or he's on the disabled list, just not ready to go, whatever, then Ibar has a path to this team. But if everybody stays healthy, the position player group is pretty well set. I mean, you could ask questions about like Robbie Grossman or Zach Granite or something like that. But the positions that I'm really watching, Phil, are on the pitching staff. And it's not just one game necessarily, but if a guy starts stacking up some impressive outings and, you know, oh, hey, he's got the coach's eye, or, oh, this Rule 5 guy, Tyler Kinley, oh, he's he's having an interesting spring with a big fastball. Uh, that's, that's more of the position that I'm watching, both the bullpen and the starting rotation. So that's guys like Phil Hughes, Alberto Mejia, uh, to a lesser extent, like Aaron Slaggers and Annabelle Sanchez. And then the bullpen is just wide open competition for one or two or maybe three spots. So that's kind of it's a long answer to your question, but I'm really trying to key in on pitchers and how they do in, in multiple outings over the course of yeah. spring. Right on. You can find Derek's coverage of the Twins in spring training, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, subscribe to our Touch em All podcast feed, too. We pump out new episodes and then take stuff from the radio that you might find interesting. I know you have at least one interview that you are uh, gearing up for, so people can find it, Touch em All podcast, anywhere you would find podcasts, or 1500ESPN.com, and the brand-new mobile app. Bye, Derek. See you what, Mark. Bye, guys. All right. Bye. Uh, Dave's got some questions for us when we come back here. We haven't the, the other thing we haven't done. We've been on for two and a half hours. We got to talk about my guy, Mister Efficiency, last night at some point too. Here, maybe we can do that at noon. Mister Wiggy Efficiency, close. We're going to talk about Wiggy. Not quite. He's Mister Inefficiency. Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us? Can't help yourself. Can't. I have a question about that team you're speaking of. Also going to get back into Vikings quarterbacks, and we'll talk about athletes who like to do it dirty. Mackie and Judd are back. Right here now. It's all right here. On 1500 ESPN.
Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Here's Dave. He's got some questions for us. I don't want to be negative, but as you were talking to Matthew Collar in the 9 o'clock hour about Viking quarterbacks recklessly speculating, I started recklessly speculating in my mind, what if this doesn't work out at all? What if Teddy says, you don't want me, fine, I'll go elsewhere. Kay says the same thing, and Kirk Cousins says, boy, that's a great offer, but... That one over there looks really good, too, and I'm going to join the Browns or the Jets or whoever the heck else he could join. So it got me thinking, what are the best, what is the best-case scenario Vikings quarterback going into the 2018 regular season, and what is the absolute worst-case scenario you can picture in your mind? Well, I think the best-case scenario is you find a way to kidnap Drew Brees before he signs a contract with the (laughs) New Orleans Saints. And you lock him in a room with some torture tactics and get him to sign with the Vikings. Like that would be the best case. Don't wow. forget Aaron Rodgers too. Still on the Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you uh, you find a way to infiltrate the Packers front office and swing a trade of some kind. <laughs> I would say uh, the realistic best case scenario is it's Kirk Cousins. It's and it's Kirk Cousins signing and then performing the way that he did in 2015 and 16, closer to that seventh, eighth best quarterback in the NFL than kind of the league average guy he was with minimal weapons this past year. So I, I do think, and and for money, you know, he's going to be, I think, the highest paid quarterback in the league. $27 million is what Stafford makes. 27 and a half is Garoppolo. So maybe best case scenario, he settles in right there at $28 million instead of 33 or something absurd. And you, get, and you guarantee him three years instead of five. So you get Kirk Cousins, He's better than the skeptics think, and the money isn't quite as aggressive as maybe some people are speculating, and it allows you to keep the Stefan Diggs and the Eric Kendricks of the world. you got to give me the backup, too. Kyle uh, Kyle Slaughter. Would He's be your the, number two? Because I don't think you're going to get Bridgewater, too. Or you draft somebody that you kind of like, but they seem to really like him behind the scenes. I mean, it's hard to know because we don't get to watch him at practice. Now, the worst-case scenario would be... Kyle Sloter is your starting quarterback because of injury or or Sam Bradford is back and you can't rely on his rickety knee. So, or here's another one. You bring Teddy Bridgewater back and he hurts his knee again and like well, there's a lot of worst case scenarios. Hell, it's the Vikings, so you can imagine any number of situations that could, you know, derail their season. But I think if you wound up empty on Kirk Cousins cuz the Jets offer up too much money, you don't want to pay a bunch of guaranteed money to Case Keenum, and now you're just reliant on Bridgewater, and he can't hold up. That would be the worst case. Because now you're probably really bad, and you're probably going to finish below 500, and you're back to the drawing board for a franchise quarterback in 2019. Uh, yeah, the, the best is um, is the plan works. Cousins comes here for a huge salary, but it doesn't break the bank completely, and it works out great. The worst is this. You misjudge the market entirely. So Cousins goes to the Jets. Bridgewater's like, I'm going to the Dolphins. I'm going home. See you later. Keenum, you come back to Case and you say, okay, we love you after all. We And he says, sorry, guys, I just signed with the Cardinals. So bleep you. 
And then you go back to Bradford, and his knee has fallen off his body, and yet still he's signed as Cleveland's backup, and now everybody's gone, and you go out to the market, and you beg Josh McCowan at the tender age, I believe, of 38 years old, to play for you, and he starts the season with uh, Kyle Sloter behind him, and he gets hurt in week one, and uh, the whole thing falls apart. So the worst, the worst case is that you completely <laughs> screw up the market. And everybody goes, and now you're stuck with a 38-year-old as your starter and a practice squad guy as the backup, and eventually the practice squad guys to start. How about that for dreary? That's not really out of the realm, right? It's the Vikings. I hope That's Rick. why I brought it up. That's it's why not, I wanted to realm. see who would Rick go was, there. I knew Rick, it would was, be Judd. Rick was snickering right there at what we said. So Rick <laughs> thinks Rick thinks he's a genius. So March 23rd. The Timberwolves will start a stretch against the Knicks and then the Sixers and the Grizzlies and the Hawks and the Mavericks. Very, very winnable games. However, between now and then, it's a little tougher. You've got eight in a row against teams that right now are all above 500. Blazers, Jazz, Celtics, Warriors, Wizards, Spurs, Rockets, Clippers. Four of them are on the road, four of them at home. Give me the Wolves forecast, boys. Where do they need to be after those eight games? How do they need to perform in these next coming eight? And how will they perform? Um, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you how I think they need to perform, and I think it's going to be how they do perform. So same thing for this. I think they win three of them, and I think it's not completely death then, because as you just said, you come out of there. If you can win three, if you can go three and five, which is not fantastic, but it's not a complete collapse, go three and five during that time without Butler, and then without Jimmy, you come out and start to play some games that you can definitely win. I think it's going to be much more difficult now to make the playoffs, but it's certainly still a decent possibility. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they need to and will go three and five. Which is not a complete. What's meltdown. their exact record right now? So th- let me pull this up. Thirty-eight and twenty-six. I think forty-eight wins gets you into the playoffs. So I got them at forty-one coming out of that eight-game stretch. And so they'd need to. They need to. They don't have to be great over this stretch. So you said three and five. Yeah, I said three and five. Realistically, I, it's I a tough stretch. I think they could go like two and six or three and five and still. If if they were to beat the teams that are tanking at the end of their schedule, let, all right. Let's say they go two and six. Uh huh. And so that would bring them to forty wins. Congratulations, by the way. That yeah. would that would match the Big highest ten. win total Big in ten. the last. Congratulations years. for this poor franchise. Uh, so if they went two and six, that put them at forty and thirty-two. Uh-huh. Not a disaster. Uh-huh. You'd have to get eight more wins, starting with are you including at, at so at uh, home against Houston's the last game in that stretch, right? And then home against LA, you're going to win that game. At uh, the Knicks. Clippers is the yeah, last the game. Clippers in that at Target Center. Okay, like March twenty. I think they beat the Clippers at home, even without. So they're going to win that game. So uh-huh. so that'll be one of the the games that they win. Utah's in there. But let, but so, but the stretch starts at Knicks. I think they beat the Knicks, lose to Philadelphia. They beat Memphis and Atlanta at home. They beat Dallas on the road. I think they split the Utah Denver. So that's five. And then they can take two of the last three at Lakers and Memphis. That gets them to forty seven. Uh-huh. If they go, so if they go two and six, they can very realistically get seven more to get to forty seven. So Judd's right, three and five. They got to go three and five. Simple question then, sub question: Should the Wolves make the playoffs, even should, without Butler for the rest? Yes. of the, They absolutely should. Yes. Well, I mean this this is where if you think they should win the play uh, make the playoffs 
and you think that Andrew Wiggins is better than I think he is, then like it's a no-brainer. Like then they should absolutely make the playoffs. All right, no excuse for meltdown then. No, there's none. You no, got, still got Carl Anthony Towns is one of the ten best players in the league, and you have some games in hand here. So you know what? Play the starters every second, every game. You'll be fine. Like last night That's with a Tibbs, twenty point the lead. The Tibbs theory, man. Just play the starters. Nobody fears blowing a twenty point lead in thirty seconds more than Tom Thibodeau. Gotta keep the starters. Out. Get, get, get back in. <laughs> Couple two three nights ago, Zaza Pachulia took the dive on Russell Westbrook's legs. Last night, if you're watching Duke Virginia Tech, you saw Grayson Allen get back to it with what would look to be a little kick to a player on. The Hokies squad while they were scrambling after a loose ball. It got me thinking about my all-time favorite dirty athletes, basketball and beyond. So I want to know yours. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Any sport, any era, any way you find an athlete to be dirty, boys, rank them your top three or so. Uh, so I've got I've got four. I can't remember the name. Number four. I think it's uh, international soccer star Suarez is his last name. Oh, yeah. The guy who was biting people in the World Cup a few years ago. That's remember right. that guy? Hey. The biters. He, like, he was biter. flopping he and was biting. Hungry. And he's one of the best players in the world. Dude was hungry for some human flesh. He's like the Mike Tyson of soccer. He's just going up and... Yeah. One, two. Number three. Number three, a man who maybe peaked as a dirty player at Target Center with a photographer, Dennis Rodman. And and he so he was called the worm because of his ability to get under, you know, just to get in crevices and and get underneath players' skin. So uh he was more dirty in terms of just like the little things. He was the maybe a little eye poke over here or oh, yeah. an elbow over there, right? He wasn't he wasn't, well, I'll get to my number one guy, but Dennis Rodman was almost charmingly dirty in a lot of ways. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. Number two. Number two, this guy was not charmingly dirty. I think he's still in the league with the Dolphins. And Nana can sue, oh, yeah. but you got to appreciate a guy who just flat out steps on the throats of opposing players literally with cleats on. Mm-hmm. Like he'll step on you, he'll kick you, he does things just out in the open. He'll knock quarterbacks out. He's been a little bit better the last couple of years because. How can you, when the league is focused on you, and if you sneeze wrong now, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. Number one. Number one, Ty Cobb. Not only would Ty Cobb, not only would he slide feet first, spikes up every time he slid into second base, the guy held grudges for decades, was openly and aggressively racist. There isn't really one redeeming quality about one of the greatest baseball players of all time, Ty Cobb. Number one on the dirty player list for sure, on and off the field. That's a good one. Didn't he reportedly murder somebody? Yeah, maybe he, one time too. Allegedly shot a man, I believe. Okay, but come on, I mean, yeah, no stuff happens, Phil. Mm-hmm. How many do you want here? Uh, I've got six actually. Wow, we only have Whoa. four numbers, so go ahead. I've got uh, number six is a current National Hockey League player with the Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand, who always has a way of hacking somebody down, taking a cheap shot. He's a really good player, but uh, he he's one of the biggest agitators going right now, I think maybe in all the pro sports, but certainly hockey. Number five on my list, also from the world of hockey, but a throwback because the old school dirty players were much more fun. Kenny Linsman, a.k.a. the Rat, played for um, the Flyers, played for, I believe, the Oilers and the Bruins. 
he was uh, he was a guy who was always trying to take advantage of situations when the referees weren't looking. And this was back in the day when the, when uh, they only had one referee assigned to each NHL game. And now, Go. number four. Got to be a guy who we've heard tons of stories about. Played for the uh, St. Louis football Cardinals, the Saints, and ended his career with the Bills. And he's a great name, Conrad Dobler. Conrad Dobler, I've read, basically played the game trying to to hurt people as much as possible. So it was not surprising that he is is one of the considered one of the all time dirtiest players in the National Football League. But one, two, number three, Jack Tatum. Yeah, the assassin, the uh, one one of a guy who. Now, if he played in the league and tried to get away with the same stuff that he did back in the 70s, probably would be suspended indefinitely every season. Jack Tatum is three. Number two. Not Dennis Rodman, but from the world of the National Basketball Association from back, Bill Lambeer. Incredibly dirty player. Pretty good, but very dirty. And then number one. Number one. I agree with you. And Dominican Sue. I mean, my God, you were being watched closely and you're still trying to step on guys and hack them down. And by the way, you're being fine consistently. And I don't think you care in Dominicans. Yeah. Boom. Those are There's a lot. I didn't uh, have Ty Chuck, Cobb, but Chuck Ty Cobb's Cecil a good one. was the guy that yep. could be from the 80s. Yep. Uh, some people would say John Stockton and, and or Carl Malone throwing elbows in the paint. John Stockton was kind of, you know, fans loved him, but players yeah. would say that he was Locally, sneaky dirty. Jared Allen. Really? Jared Allen uh, made, I believe, a Sports Illustrated list of, uh, they did like a top 10 dirtiest players mm. back probably now 10 years ago or something. Jared Allen made the list, and, and it came from a survey of players in the league who would know. Does that translate to the curling rink? I hope wow. it does. Wouldn't that be Get great? Get that sweeper up a little high, oh. knock some teeth out, oh, knock I'd, some I'd watch. Out. Yeah, I'd butt end some guy from Sweden. Yeah. I'd be a curling fan at that point. Spin around in celebration. Maybe you catch the, uh, oh, the really opponent sorry. in the earlobe. I hurt the Canadian's best player. I didn't mean yeah. to do that. Uh, let's talk about TCL TVs here real quick, gentlemen. 55-inch glorious picture in our studio. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. And I, I think it's, it's almost like watching... Real life, it's like a window more than it's like a TV because of the 4K picture quality, which is four times the picture quality of a standard 1080p TV. TCL is also uh, helping create the best viewing experience in arena experience inside Target Center with their TCL theater boxes, five-star cuisine. It's VIP treatment from start to finish. It's the best place to watch a game inside Target Center. And if you want to register for a chance to win tickets, a four-pack, to that Wolves-Grizzlies game on March 26th, all you have to do is go to 1500ESPN.com and enter the keyword TCL, and you'll have a shot to win. And in the meantime, if you haven't really uh, dove into the TCL life, go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and ask about TCL TVs. It's America's fastest-growing TV brand. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I am a fan. I can look at them all day long and die laughing. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You like that? You like that? Yeah, we do. Uh, hey, Rant, so a little bit of breaking Pro Football Hall of Fame news here. Let's just play this. The Vikings retweeted this from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Twitter account. Randy Moss, there's been a lot of speculation. Who's going to present Randy Moss in Canton, Ohio next summer? Uh... 
So, I mean, someone from Denny Green's family, someone from the Vikings. I think people know that the Chris Carter relationship isn't quite what it was framed to be back in the day. Not going to be Chris Carter. So let's just hear from Randy Moss. This video was just posted. It's like a minute long. Dave Harrigan's going to fire it up here. Well, I wanted to pick Coach Green. You know, he gave me the opportunity. He drafted me. So I thought it was only fair for Coach Green to present me. Well, Coach Green just passed away recently. So I really didn't have nobody in mind. And um, so I was talking over with my wife about, well, Dave, who should I get to present me? And she didn't give me an answer. So I said to myself, you know what? So I'm going to pick my son Thaddeus. He's 19 years old. He's in college. And uh, throughout my 14-year career, you know, there's been ups and downs of my career. But for my son to be able to present me, I think it would be good for me to know that my son is presenting me and I think it would mean a lot to him to know that hey man I'm presenting my dad in front of the world and uh, my kids still don't know to this day who I am. They know me as dad but they don't know me anymore. That's pretty cool. That's cool. I like that. God the Denny Green thing would have been so cool though. Oh I know. I know. Yep. And I thought he might pick Denny's wife but I wonder if you went to the family and if they just I don't know. I mean, Denny Green would have been the guy. There's, that's really the only guy that that it could have been. Who presented Carter? Was that his kid? Did Carter's kid present? Did Chris's kid present him? No, I don't remember. I'm not sure. I think he just had his hands present himself, actually. Like the talking motion with his hand. I'm so great that I'm going to double dip and actually talk about myself <laughs> and then, and then yeah. say thank you, Chris, so much. I'm going to present myself. Because I'm trying to think of the other figures in Randy Moss's professional career i mean bill belichick yeah but that's probably not gonna that was that was more of a mercenary relationship right yes denny green was much more of a father like denny hey we're gonna bring you in take a chance and you bill belichick was hey you're a mercenary yes we're gonna try and win super bowls even though they didn't but that's amazing as great as the patriots have been in this dynasty and moss was there for three years Mm -hmm. and set the all-time single season reception touchdown reception record and it was brady's best season and they didn't win a super bowl with randy moss Denny meant a, a ton in the lives of uh, Chris Carter and Moss, but Carter n- never meant nearly as much in Moss's life as Carter w- wanted you to believe yeah. and would have you believe if you went down the path of thinking that he truly, truly cultivated Moss. He didn't. He didn't. He helped him out, I'm sure, but he did. That whole thing, I think, was one of the most overblown uh, stories in Vikings lore. It was Duran Carter, Chris's son, that presented okay. him. All right. Well, that's nice. Is that the dude who was in Vikings camp for a minute? He played football at Ohio State. I think he went to the CFL, right? Yeah, he was pretty good in the CFL, if I remember. Uh, What's our update on Johnny Manziel in the CFL? Is he allowed in this year if he doesn't make an NFL team? Because that would would allow Judd to cash in on a write-that-down prediction. I thought, out there for like I thought he years. was going to play. I thought the last I saw about Manziel was he was going to try and play in that minor league that, that they were starting in, like, the South. I thought, like, Texas or some team that he's, he was going to try and play he's for. He's XFL-bound in a couple years, and it's going to be glorious. Oh, but but McMahon said that he's not going to take people with a criminal history at all, right? Didn't Manziel get enough yeah, trouble? See, I think, arm I think your guy, Vince, has got to lift that rule. He's got to lift that rule. Vince says a lot of things. Rule. Vince said that, that the ultimate warrior would never come back. He, yeah, Vince says a lot of the things. The XFL is family-friendly this time around, okay? It's they're wholesome, not going, they're not going in cheerleaders' locker rooms this time. It's wholesome entertainment. And if they do, it'll be on... A paid platform, WWE Network, if you want to see You'll the cheerleader stuff. You'll get it since stuff. you subscribe to the WWE yes, Network. Yes, I will. 
Uh, at least I know. At least I'm getting premium content. At least I'm getting WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, the, unlike yeah. the Big Ten Network, I'm not, no, which no, me, I'm not arguing with you. On makes that. me pay for bleeping gymnastics or something. Just let it be free, anyways. Um, the NFL did throw out an into. We should maybe get to this. If not in the noon hour, we can get to it tomorrow. But the NFL competition committee proposing an interesting rule change. But we haven't even got. We've been on for three hours. We got to talk about Mister Efficiency showing himself again last night. Mackie and Judd from the TCL broadcast studios. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.